What? Uh, oh, yeah, it's frame rate. That's right. I remember. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> hey, man. You You're my me? best friend, and sometimes I just want to scream your name. You're my best friend, but by the end of this, I'll be shooting your fucking arm off with a space laser. Cool. Uh, <laughs> this is frame rate, the show where we rate frames. We already said most of our names. I'll just add that his last name is Epperson. And now you're mm -hmm. all caught up. Uh, you clicked the title. You know what it is. If you let your phone do the thing where you see the whole podcast title and you got to the parenthetical, you even know who our guest is. But for those that don't, let's introduce her now. A very mm. special being, one of our favorites, returning champion, Star Hodge. Hey, hi. Star. Hi, hi, hi. Happy to be back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're yes. welcome to scream a name now if you want, or, or not. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep my voice in. I will be the the soft spoken, the soft spoken anime girl, right. which is very rare. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I like that, but it's true uh -huh. nonetheless. Yeah. And I want to take this moment to uh, thank who brought this podcast together. Of course. And that is once again the MVP. Uh, Andrew Marinus, uh, thank you so much for your, you know, sub with your of patronage. Course. Yeah. And you too can be like him by, uh, if you go to our pick the flick tier on our patreon.com slash small beans, you can pay to choose the movie that we talk about. Uh, and you know, that's that with that. So with all, uh, with all that said, let's get on with the show. Yeah. I hey. guess I do. I want to do one more thing, which is say oh. a, a double thank you to Andrew Mariness. A for letting us know that his last name's a homonym for Mariness, so now for we know Mariness. how to how to say it with the proper respect like on the Mary. name. Yeah. But B, like I don't longtime fans of the show will remember uh, an episode we did about Bone Tomahawk, and I feel like starting this episode with the same thing, which is to say Akira. Mm -hmm. Akira, you guys. Akira. Akira. <laughs> like, I just want to thank you so much because I hadn't seen this movie since I was 11. And uh, it's one of my favorite movies now. And yeah. It's like one of the most badass things I've ever seen as an it's adult. It's so badass. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so badass. Very excited to talk about it. I hadn't seen it since college. And this is a good segue to what we like to do on the show is kind of... Uh, ask our guest that we chose, which we chose very specifically because as she uh, as she implied, she's like our resident anime expert. Mm -hmm. um, but Star, can you talk to us about your relationship with this movie and yeah. also just go on to like what you like or dislike about it? Abe, just like give I'd, us a... I don't want to stir controversy, but I, uh -oh. I'll just say I think that technically makes her a weeb. I think. I think you're yeah. a weeb, but I think I'm a weeb too. So from one so weeb to, this, yeah. to another. I feel like I've... I've uh, my weebness has definitely toned down over time. It's more of an internal weebness. I don't buy everything <laughs> inner weeb with it like I yeah. used to, and now it's like, oh, but I love it, and I just keep it. I keep it all internal. Um, but my relationship with Akira, I watched this for the first time in college because man, was this movie kind of really hard to get in general. Um, unless like you were like in the like deep, deep know of like anime culture in like the early 2000s, essentially. Yeah. And that's right. Me with my like newbie, like anime brain, which was very much influenced by like, you know, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball, Ramna one half, still early 90s stuff. Everyone would always talk Akira was the movie to watch. And by the time I got to it and watched it, it was 
so out of the realm of what I expected and just kind of broke my brain <laughs> in college. I was like, ah, and back then I don't, I didn't like it back then. I love the animation, but it was so gory and intense and mm. tragic that, and I had never experienced that in animation Outside of maybe like a few Don Bluth movies, which have like a little bit of like tragicness to right. them too, but like hadn't yeah. encountered Grave of the Fireflies yet. Then, no, I oh guess. man! And when I, I watched that shortly after, and I was just like, I don't know about these old anime. A cartoon could be this sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oof. Oof. And so my impression of Akira back then was just very much like, I understand why everybody loved this. This was not for me because it was too dark. But mm. rewatching it last month was like. Oh, this movie is a revelation. <laughs> I love this movie. Um, yeah, it clicks so hard. My uh, my dad, as people who listen to the show regularly will know, uh, loved getting import laser discs and hunting down rare stuff. So I actually saw this as a kid and remember very clear, like very vividly, not understanding it, thinking the red guy must be Akira. It's a, it's called Akira, and he's like the main guy, right? And then the end being like, I don't understand why he's a monster now. Oh well, um, I guess it's lost in translation or it's just an abstract thing like 2001: A Space Odyssey or something. Now watching it in, in my mid thirties, I'm like. Oh no, I was just a dumb kid. Uh, it totally makes sense and holds together. Yeah. And it makes me wonder about other things from when I was 11. Like maybe the plot of Final Fantasy VII does make sense. <laughs> I'll have yeah. to reinvestigate that. I just wanted to jump in and say that it's exact. So, funny story about this is that. Uh, I played like Final Fantasy and like I, like I had exposure to like Japanese culture uh, like, you know, throughout high school. Mm -hmm. But like the summer before I went to college, my friend showed me like three nights in a row showed me Cowboy Bebop, this and Paprika. <laughs> and so I just got like a shotgun blast of anime to the face. Yes. And that was my like, oh, I didn't even watch anime or had seen an anime like before this. And it was just like, holy shit. Mm. Uh, it just arrived in my life. And it definitely, like you said, was a revelation. Yeah, the, the way they animated this, because of course, after I rewatched it, I'm like, oh, now that I can appreciate it, how did they do this in like what was this like late like eighties? Nineteen eighty-eight. Thirty-four yeah. years ago. Yeah, I was like, yeah. how did how did they get this amount of detail? And how how was it made so smoothly? And it was just they like spent so much money on this movie. Yeah, and I know you mean the movement as well, but I like I got to say this movie opens on this long pan across maybe the most detailed matte painting i've ever seen in like mm -hmm. a cartoon or a live action thing where they use matte painting it's like this mm. stunning image of tokyo that's so detailed mm -hmm. it's kind of mind-blowing and then a perfectly white nuclear blast wipes it all clean and it just says written and directed by katsuhiro otomo it's like so fucking <laughs> tight right. and engaging immediately yeah, I'd say it's up there with Blade Runner in 2001 mm -hmm. in terms of like establishing a pop culture touchstone, especially for like futuristic tech, even though yeah. Western cultures didn't really get an exposure like we alluded to. Uh, I was researching as why that was true. And do you know who we have to blame for that? 
I mean, generally, uh, uh, thank you. All Japanese films aren't necessarily marketed in the U.S., but this went through the film's distributor, and they contacted George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, and they labeled it unmarketable in the United States. Of so Streamline Pictures had to get it, yeah. And they're a smaller distributor, so they didn't really like. That's why it was so hard to get, even you know, ten years after it came out. Like it yeah. definitely became a cult following that in the nineties, late nineties, probably had its reason. Yeah, uh, my my anime club, like in college, which was in itself was like a very special, rare thing to have at the time. I went to college between like 2001 and 2005. So like, that's the context. Um, mm. And they played it. They got a copy of it and played it. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to watch this movie that everybody in the world in the anime like culture talks about. And I was so uncomfortable in my seat watching this in a classroom, just being like, I don't, what is this? And <clears throat> the scene where where um i can't remember her name but um his girlfriend essentially just gets Kay, like i think yeah she just gets smushed um that that has burned into my brain forever like that's just what is when i think of akira i think of that scene you know what it reminded me of a lot is the thing that everyone talked about being so creepy which is the creature and nope crunching everyone moment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. totally that like uh and just for the context of people who haven't seen it in a while That's or don't right. know what the hell we're talking about it's doubly bad because this this sort of tragic villain tetsuo is mutating out of control into this giant thing absorbing his friends and his line is as he crushes this woman i can't control what my body is doing please stop her pain is going into me it's like whoa yeah, yeah. <laughs> dark yeah there seems to be a transference of like there's also like a psionic uh, aspect to everything because mm -hmm. we have these, I don't know, these telepathic Benjamin Buttons running around. Mm -hmm. They're in cute <laughs> little Letterman's jackets that were specially oh, made for them. My absolute favorite favorite is <laughs> like the a big bopper hat. suit Benjamin Button. He's the best. He's he walking around like he owns every place, like it's the gin joint that he just set up. Oh, you mean uh, the Louis Anderson Benjamin Button? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. <laughs> Of the three, he was also my favorite. <laughs> right. He's just classic. Instantly, you see him and you're like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely like, so they have telepathic powers. They can also kind of warp. And the telepathic powers are pretty strong. It's not just like implication. It's like they can go into your brain or into one another you know they go into tetsuo's mind at one point and he also shares these you know psionic powers and they're slightly um, different one sees the future and, but they don't all do that etc right yeah but right there's overlap. so what's happening and it all comes from akira who's like the source you know like it's this kind of um genetic anomaly that is a source to some god power and, and obviously a metaphor evolution for the advent of nuclear weapons and not you know nagasaki yeah. and hiroshima which we just yeah. yeah that layer is also throughout this so go ahead sorry <clears throat> no 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 that's like exactly right and i think that the the larger point of the movie is kind of like in the aftermath of some kind of uh, cat catastrophic trauma that is jointly shared by everyone who remains in the city after Akira basically goes nuclear is um, like friendship and camaraderie that you can change your stripes, so to speak, mm -hmm. and become more powerful or less powerful. But in the end, 
friendship will prevail. And that's very, very much in the mythos of most of these movies that came out, even in even as soon as like Godzilla, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're talking pretty early on. A lot of the themes are kind of about that community because it's all they had to rely on. And this movie is definitely a retrospection in that regard, too, about how it can be messy, but it ultimately triumphs. Well, man, we say like 9-11 changed everything. And it's like that's not even on the same scale as nukes getting dropped. So imagine, of course, you have to process it through art as a culture. Right. That's part of the process. It's also a. I, while looking into and researching it, because I was just like, how how did this get made? Um, it's also a warning of advancing into the future too quickly because uh, during this time period, um, like Japan in the eighties, like economically blew up. Like they were like yeah. the top economic like dog in the whole fight, and for them going from like the nuke the nukes to being like the world leader financially mm-hmm. was a terrifying aspect because they were worried about losing themselves, losing their culture, becoming too westernized, all right. of that. And so like that warning is also in that tale of like, hey, if you evolve way too fast, you're gonna fuck mm-hmm. everything up. And like I think shortly after this they did have like a big like bust. And had to like mm-hmm. recover, but like mm-hmm. this was made at their peak when they were like, yeah. "We are, we are at the top of the world." Oh shit! <laughs> like we're in superpower, tech, yeah. But maybe we're right. globalizing too fast, etc. Yeah, at the very, I mean, the last moment of the film is a VO from one of the numbers, which is the name of the Benjamin Buttons. They're called the numbers. Uh, the power is too much for us now, but it won't be forever. One day we'll be able to dot 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 and it like fades out mm-hmm. uh, and then well then tetsuo says hi i'm tetsuo which implies that he transcended to some other plane of existence which i think is interesting as a different point but the point i wanted to make is that i do think there's a thread of hope there where or it's the idea that nuclear energy like any uh radical new technology uh you know so it applies like you said to all technology is neither good nor bad but it might be too much for us to responsibly use. Like we, I forget who said it, maybe Einstein, but like we have to grow our spirit at the rate that we grow our technology. If the technology outpaces, it always causes problems. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, literally the same global event, right? Oppenheimer Mm -hmm. would talk about that kind of thing. You know, he, he was known as the poet who kind of walked around and all these generals and all these, you know, like Truman were all saying like, well, how do we use this bomb? And he's over here going like, maybe we shouldn't. Like, I know I am the guy to build it, but you know, that's why you get the, I am become death speech Mm -hmm. is that he's got we were all feeling complex thoughts about it, uh, it, but obviously the people who it like landed upon felt it the most. It's the mm-hmm. hindsight um, thing, yeah. like where you're just like, we have this, and humans are really bad about thinking about things ahead of time. We always like learn things after the fact, and and we mm-hmm. need to learn to not do that. We need to try to figure it out ahead. It's of time. very hard. <laughs> it's it's very hard. hard. 
Uh, I like but, new technology. <laughs> speaking of technology, I want to talk about kind of like, because we have Star, and Star right. is an amazing artist. So I wanted to pick your brain about animation style and art style. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really impressed me is like, and I want you to essentially say like, oh, this is what I like about it. But um, one thing that I noticed in my kind of monkey brain is that it embraces this technique that I hadn't seen before that really involves timing. Like, often great speed is emphasized with, or juxtaposed with immediately with slowness. Like, either there's an immediate contrast or literally there's, like, a bike whizzes by. And then there's, like, a chemtrail stream that's just a block of color the yes. tron like uh, yeah it's become the, the iconic yeah. image of and it from this doesn't movie. move like everything right. else feels like it's pulsing and moving like because there's a natural like you know animation style like anime or just like any animation style kind of has this inherent movement to it but like that thing will be like a monolithic like rock and i've never seen that predating this movie and i granted i'm not well versed in like uh crazy well versed in anime up to this point but i see it all the time now and it's like a it's beautiful it's a photograph of something really fast um but i just didn't know if you would like if you had anything to say about that or just if you want to talk about art style in general no so so what's so what's amazing about the animation style of this movie like most most movies are like animated movies like are kind of just drawn at a different frame rate. I want to say like I could be wrong mm. and because I don't do animation myself, I'm just a big big fan. Mm-hmm. I, I like comics. <laughs> um, they I think they shoot at 12, 12, uh, frames, 12 and 18, yeah, yeah, twelve frames per second. I think that's the standard. And depending on how stylized you get, you go a little bit higher. You get a bit go a little bit lower. But um, it's refer- generally lower than like what we're used to as the Disney standard, let's say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Akira, they decided to try to get as close to film as possible. So it's drawn at 24. So that's right. why everything's really, wow. really smooth. Yes. And all those slow-mo scenes, they sh- they drew it at 60. Like they mm. drew it wow. at the frame rate where they can do the slow motion so that it looks right so they could so actually slow it hearts. down yeah <laughs> yeah because it's like basically telling your entire legion of uh you know artists to say okay so take your work now double, double it double it we're gonna yeah. do two movies that like the amount of work will be roughly double what you're used to for a movie yeah right At and least. so they did that they also i think they drew it on bigger pieces of paper than they normally do so that they could get the amount of detail that they flex. got in there's yeah. no yeah. reason no, I mean, kidding. they they made this movie. Uh, it was like, what was it? Some, it's a, some 10 billion yen, which I think was like 10 million dollars at the time, which was like it was ridiculous at the time. For get, an yeah, to movie. produce a cartoon in the late 80s, 10 million dollars. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Real. It, they spent a lot, a lot of money. And the the director, he also made the comic and he wasn't done with the comic at the same time. So he was essentially like. This movie is truly like the first draft that he really wanted to depict before he finished the comic. Because the comic kind of, I haven't read the comic, but I know they are, it continues the story a little bit further. Yeah. And you definitely get to spend more time with all these like extra side characters where you're, while you're watching, you're like, what's that guy's deal? And what's that guy's deal? Right. And who's that? And what about more of these of gang course. members? You get way more of that in the manga. So. 
this from what I understand of the movie, they he wanted it to be as detailed as you could possibly get it. And since they gave him the money, he did it. Although he did say he wasn't happy with toward the end of the movie, he felt like he didn't get as much detail as he wanted. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Man? Well, with all those like millions of pustules and his arm is made of all these individually moving little pieces of tech Mop and pus. flesh and there's, shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's a moment, what stuck to me, like, the first time I watched it, yeah, the girl getting squished stuck in my brain. The second time, the scene where he's in the chair and he's made a robot arm and his arm is grafting itself to the, the stump or whatever. The, the like stone chair. Oh, that to he's the stadium. On, yeah. To yeah. the stadium itself. And it's like so he pulls sick. his hand up <laughs> and like all these cords individually snap as he's like trying not to like merge with everything around him. That detail is so good so and good. i don't i don't even know how you think of that <laughs> like it's just what's wonderful about it is like uh, like he gives you like a, f- a good minute or so for your brain to go okay like what's happening with him all right he's mutating and it's pulsing and it's getting bigger it's flesh it's expanding. oh okay now, now they have now artificial stuff is coming yeah in and also yeah. there's mech stuff involved and it's like grasping for other life okay so it's like kind of like got a, a zombie mind oh no it's literally grasping into like stone yes. and concrete this thing has to deal a lot more with like the fabric of the universe than right. it does with like life Man, the image that got me in there is when his when his fingers start growing fingers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or it's like it doesn't know what to do. Yeah. That gave me a lot of like annihilation vibes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you yeah. know, more recent, like the Alex Garland annihilation has like this genetic like randomizer machine. Essentially, you get hybridized with plants or whatever. Where it's like, case. what is yeah. I, as if a computer is saying, "Okay, take a little of this, take a little of this," and what is that? I don't know. Does it do anything? No, it actually it fails. It fails as an organism. All right, let's try more things, and it's just uh, roll a deck. DNA and but in this case it's like literally fabric of the universe because they're so powerful it must be splitting atoms etc et or the T-1000 stepping on the grating and becoming the grating mm-hmm. when it doesn't intend to that kind of stuff yeah yeah it's really cool it's really cool um I just had one last comment on like like the editing in the movie or the the pacing in the movie, right? Because mm-hmm. something that's uh, argued is that like it was almost intended to be like read along with the the manga, like so like you would have some starter knowledge at very least before watching the movie, um, which is one of the reasons I'm sure like Spielberg and Lucas were like this is not really for mainstream what to be audiences. like four quadrant, yeah, yeah they don't yeah. they don't spoon feed you what's happening there they expect the audience to be smart enough to be like you will either get yeah. this or you won't but you'll definitely appreciate it now midichlorians midichlorians <laughs> make sense it's intuitive if you're on Adderall, this is the movie for you because it's like every two minutes there's like some crazy new shit happening and uh that's one of the reasons that i think it is widely credited with breaking anime into the mainstream Western audiences. Like as, as a movie, it really does like give you like, wow, there's different, there's like eight different ways to skin this cat that is movies. And it's just really, really influences that. Um, one of the other things that keeping that speed up is that the movie does a great job of using ellipse cuts, which is uh, the result of like uh, a major action is implied by cutting away. 
uh, instead of shown. Mm. Um, and I'm sure you guys recognized it, but that's what like a lips cut does. And it the scene will c- often cut away right before the moment in which like someone stabs someone or someone or someone shoots someone or some some so, there's some epiphany that occurs. But there's enough in the scene to let you infer that that's exactly what's happening, mm-hmm. like that you can assume that that's what happens. And I like it because that wasn't ri- ellipse cuts did exist uh, like since the you know creation of movies really but it it wasn't like this is like one after another after another and it really helps the pacing and speed but it also gives you this whirlwind effect that you're like kind of in the uh, tumultuous kind of spin where you're like wait which what thing am i supposed to be paying attention to um and it kind of makes the trauma of the movie a little bit more tragic Mm -hmm. or at least has the added benefit of making the audience feel more intelligent uh that's my secret sauce secret <laughs> theory is that it makes yeah ah yes i understood that cut right and it makes you feel indebted to the movie a little bit which is nice but i just thought though those are two kind of tendencies that this movie like arguably makes or like one of the first times exposed to western audiences so it's why i think it's a little bit more beloved than most yeah like it's a perfect choice yeah to if break you're not in. if you're not used to like if every piece of media you watch really spoon feds feeds you essentially like really like it's like this is what this movie is like and then you watch this like i think that's why there's a lot of people myself included who that first time was just like i don't understand like why is like i don't get it and then you consume more media you learn more things and how people tell stories and then you rewatch this and you're like oh this is brilliant (laughs) yeah it's interesting so i'm just flashing on this mental image of like every Film is kind of a sequence, or, you know, most a sequence of information and let's call it like connecting dots. Right. And I would say very traditional, like mainstream movies literally connect the dots and you feel Mm. carried along through the experience. And if you sort of put a gap in the line connecting the dots, it forces the audience to do some mental work actively to figure out like what just happened oh i see what just happened and there is a little feeling of like satisfaction of figuring something out that's Mm -hmm. different than being told something and it's just interesting to me that i do feel like this is true but i'd have to really map it out that the bigger you make that gap uh the more artistic the film is considered and the more likely you are to win oscars and then like the smaller you make the gap the more money you will make I bet that's true. But that's oh. just a gut feeling. But it's just a, yeah, yeah, it's just making your placating your audience's expectations is the name of the game, right? Light, cheat, right. and steal. <laughs> Whereas the ones with big gaps that make you really work and then you finally figure it out, like Abe just said, it makes you feel good about it. You're, you're like, mm, I am very smart. And this was very artistically <laughs> interesting because I figured yeah. it out, right? Right. But I don't it's funny because this is such a cryptic movie, ultimately, especially for, uh, you know, coming from probably all three of our standpoints when we first watched it. Well, and seeing like, Paprika, you can tell he's into being cryptic and like not saying right. everything. Yeah. Right. And it's why, you know, Big Baby in the Sky in 2001 <laughs> and then in Akira, <laughs> just Big Baby. Uh, you know, we got we, two things. One, we seem to have a thing with Big Babies. Two. Uh, like there seems to be like when we want to say something, uh, very large, we make it like, it's almost comes out of nowhere where it's like the audience has to look at it and be like, why, why am I seeing that? Like, why did everything in the movie dot, dot, dot this moment, 
that's insane. Like, why they did he just vomit milk all over yeah. an animated car or like a sentient yeah. car? Yeah. Right. How did I get here? <laughs> and it's just that feeling is uh, very much in the face of what, you, like we were saying in terms of the, uh, like the unlock to the audience where it's like, I'm following you. I'm following you. I'm following you. Uh, then they, you, you throw them off the deep end because I think any great artist is going to build a system of expectation. And if that expectation is like, you're very intelligent, that's very placating and wonderful, but a good artist is like going to throw that away before the end of the movie. And I think that when form follows function and then the thing that where you want these, you really want to feel these two, um, these two best friends, like you want to shake the audience and say like, but they're like, you don't know right now if they're going to be like, if they're going to be enemies at the end of this, or they're going to be friends. You don't know. And I want to shake mm -hmm. that out of you. So I'm going to literally throw a baby at you mm -hmm. or a big, you know, uh, mushroom cloud of flesh kind of thing. Um, or he flies to space and starts using a satellite as a gun <laughs> and like fires wildly all over right. the planet. Yeah. Right. Which it's so like grounded huge up to this offers. point. Yeah. And now we have things like we, we have oh, all but of this anime. is 1988 <laughs> and, 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 right. and I, that's what I'm saying. But it is so foundational in that like this dude was so willing to have a big, big imagination. And that's really quite a feat. I think <laughs> like um, just the concepts, the sheer like gallery of spe of spectacle is a uh, staggering and like i so when i take notes for the show i constantly write down compared to blah 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 compared to blah 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 because i find you know trends that way and that's interesting mm -hmm. to me but uh for this one it became so apparent that it reminds me in a very concrete way of so many things that i'm like this is such a foundational film like i truly believe i just want to rattle off some stuff like I think this movie helped inspire like cyberpunk, the warriors, Brazil, Terminator mm -hmm. two, V for vendetta, the comic Ronin stray heavy metal, the outsider or like, yeah. okay, well these inspired it. But I mean, we haven't even talked about how cool it is that in Neo Tokyo with all these lofty ideals, like our core characters are like a shitty biker gang. That's so fun yeah. too. They're just wild teens. The outsiders rebel without a cause vibes. It It's super like chronicle. It reminds me of death stranding. I'll point out that FF seven did come out after this, uh, 97 versus 88 and dude, Sephiroth walking out of the flame, which is basically the iconic image of FF seven. That's just fucking Tetsuo walking out of the flame and putting the red cape on. It's the same maneuver. Yeah, Jehovah is Akira. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Jehovah's Akira. This feels like Roland Emmerich movies to me. It feels like children of men at certain points, man, <laughs> it's just crazy. And speaking of Benjamin button, um, this podcast has long maintained that since he, uh, in the middle, since he's aging backwards, but also getting bigger, Benjamin Button should have ended the movie as a giant baby. We finally uh -huh. get that with this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It closes that <laughs> loop too. It closes that loop. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I, I mean like minority report with the pre precogs. Um, oh Yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of people argue that the driver from Drive is based off Kaneda because he's mm -hmm. literally wearing like a red, you know, like oh it's maybe such visual, a, yeah. yeah. But Kaneda yeah. is also more of a fuck you, like, like that's yeah. why I put in Rebel without a. He's totally just like anyone tells him anything and he goes, no, fuck you, I'm, I'm fuck doing you. the other thing. Well, yeah, yeah. he's like the le he's an orphaned leader of like a bike gang in a place where like 
like the school that they showed them like was a complete joke oh brutal like, <clears throat> remedial school yeah yeah so it's just like of course no one's gonna tell them anything i'm sure like the health care in this world is also horrible like they i feel like no one pro- unless you have money probably lives to 30 you know like that's the <laughs> right, vibe right. it feels like the vibe the post-apocalyptic you vibe, know so yeah. like he's like a even though he's like what 14 15 in this movie he's essentially a full-fledged adult as you can get in this world surviving yeah responsible right. for other people's survival as well yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and it's just like of course like the moment where he's just like i have to kill my friend because like I, I like I love him I have to do it it's such a compelling like moment I don't know how to describe it because like that's nuts to just be like I love him I have to kill him I love you but I must right. kill you you know yeah and he steps up to the challenge which is and quickly which is even more so like a holy shit like this just he just dealt with that like s- extremely well or poorly depending on how you look at the next <laughs> think, 20 minutes yeah, the hardest thing to buy in the whole movie at the point that the final fight happens is that a, a handheld like a shoulder mounted laser cannon would do fucking anything to Tetsuo but it like that Canada thing. really gets him several times and I'm like I'm surprised that worked <laughs> well, because, because his friend doesn't really want to kill him so he's it's holding a, back he's that's super a good theory, hold- yeah. yeah he's hold- That that's how I took that I was just like He's holding back. He's pissed and angry, mm. but like subconsciously, deep down, it's just like, that's my brother. Right. You know, like, I'm not, I don't actually want to do it, you know? Like, yeah, Tetsuyo, for all of his anger that comes from a justified place of always being second best, always being looked over, uh, and just the feeling of just unhappiness in your life and blaming it on someone, he still looks at his friend and sees him like a kid. You know, we have mm-hmm. that, that, that flashback, you know, like it's, oh, we, we existed together forever. Uh, I, I can hate a part of myself, but then, you know, ultimately love myself in the end mm-hmm. because I know that like it would be like cutting off my arm. Uh, so there's this connection between them, which is cool because it's also a deeper connection than like the telepathy, like telepathy, telepathy is just introduced in this movie as like this ad hoc, like, oh yeah, for people that exists, like the espers, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, like the connection between, uh, between our two main like protagonists really comes, uh, really becomes the 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 thing that saves everything obviously it's guided by the espers at the end where they're like we're also going to give ourselves up too uh i think that that's a part of the community is that everyone who's like kind of inflicted with power they're the ones that are supposed to stand up and stop the you know second coming of the catastrophe right so it's like which they, they that's the lesson they don't right? stop it it's like tokyo like that's still fucked up <laughs> you know, still the, fucked the up. world is broken again at the end basically right yeah, yeah but they but it could have destroyed the world yeah <laughs> right and <yeah>. instead <laughs> it created a second universe for them to coexist uh, or at least that's my read of the movie. Yeah, that's the scientist yeah, yeah. says the, the energy reading makes it seem like it's creating a new plane of existence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a dimension or some kind of. But I think somewhat left open to interpretation. Yeah. They don't nail down the rules of yeah. that. It's mm-hmm. just an offer at the They end. go to a God place, just like yeah. where their power came from. A God place. Yeah. Right. Right. Kay says, uh, while being puppeted by one of the numbers, uh, it's like the dust's memory of the Big Bang. It's like amoebas. Uh, with mm. the powers of humans and i'm like 
Okay. Or like, yeah. you know, that's like on yeah, Star sure. Trek where they go, we got to turn the deflector dish because of the chronotons. I'm like, if that's the thing, I'll accept <laughs> yeah. it. Like, that's the moment where you're just buying in to the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I will exactly. say, I think the fact that there's a lot of shared mind space, including... Yeah, so not telekinesis, telepathy, like you're saying. Uh, like at the end, they obviously, they go back and inhabit, like they experience their shared childhood again in the right. moment. Of the, anyway, I just think that's such a powerful metaphor for the way that everyone's an individual having these unique set of experiences in their little area uh, that is usually so specific to them, but these huge tragedies that focus mm -hmm. everyone on one thing. They almost homogenize like that's a brain space that now exists. That's the same for all of us. We all experience this. Um, mm -hmm. We all. So yeah, telepathy is a cool metaphor, I think for how tragedy makes us come together and we never yeah, normally exactly. do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our brains literally touching. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's some stuff in this movie that I just wanted. I don't know. I just wanted to, uh, talk about some of the funnier like weird shit in the movie that made me laugh and mm -hmm. i just want to laugh with my buds about it just because <laughs> i think there's a few moments where this movie is not so great no. okay but uh, watch like, yourself counselor like the uh <laughs> the, the uh way in which the society and i think this is like actually a good thing the movie is actually saying don't do this i think but like do you think slapping bad kids while yelling discipline works <laughs> oh no oh no right yeah I think they're saying the education system's completely so falling like apart. That, yeah. yeah, it's just that sequence is, it goes on for so long. No, the school's horrible. Like, oh yeah, they're really, uh, they're really. Dude, um, I do love how Tetsuo does the classic. He steals Kaneda's bike, which is like the Millennium Falcon in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's like yes. the bike, and yeah. uh, some random girl we've never seen before. He's just like, "Hop on, we're running away and starting a new life." <laughs> like, that's so cool, dude. I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love in uh, in the sewers at one point when they're like wading through the sewer shit. Uh, there's a box of ginger ale three, mm -hmm. and I just thought, that made me really what think does that because even like, mean? what does that mean? I also want to like imagine we had like a World War three, right? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, and we're in this post apocalypse, and then someone came out with like Pepsi two. You know, yeah. it's like, that would be some real shit. If man. they lost I just, the I original know, formula, maybe, and they're just like, this is as close as we they're can just, get. Like yeah, it was lost. We don't have, ginger ale was lost twice. So we remember <laughs> Pepsi and this is our approximation. It's Pepsi too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's the best we can do. So what happened to ginger ale too, man? Did you, what went wrong? <laughs> it was like new Coke. They were just, just like, no, no, no. <laughs> it was no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, there's. Uh, I love the uh, you were mentioning the bike gangs and like the the bike itself and mm -hmm. there's two like what seems well first off I love that when Yamagata dies uh Kaneda is like yeah like the lieutenant well like the lieutenant or guy the, yeah. the guy who represents the military interest oh no 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 who's a part of the um the gang, the gang. The friend, oh I'm yeah. sorry the okay beaver gang Tetsu yeah 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 uh and like so they're like we so then the group kind of agrees that we have to explode his bike right. so that he can like enjoy it in the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think that that Send is it to him. Yeah. like, I hope you guys do that for me. You know, like blow up my <laughs> car when I die. Stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Also to me, just incredible that, well, I mentioned the warriors as a comparison point and the connection there is that 
we are introduced to clowns who are mm-hmm. also a biker gang. So there's like themed gangs who all dress alike. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. incredible to me that they uh, they're all on bikes with weapons. And Kaneda, who temporarily doesn't have his bike, like is running up and they go, oh, no, run. And they're correct because he then beats <laughs> them all on foot. Like he defeats them He's on motorcycles with his, bar- with his just his body. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I when you remember that. that they're actually all teenagers. Like they're just mm-hmm. imagine like 14 year olds on a giant bike and then they're just trying to get into a fight. At some point, it's easier to fight with your fists. <laughs> it's like kick ass. Yeah. Yeah. She's too young yeah. to be doing this, surely. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. He like Well like when's yeah, the last ahead. time when's the last time you ran up a bike and kicked the rider in the face for me? Like mm-hmm. you did it for me. <laughs> oh, for like you? Oh, I, I feel like we've never. lost a yeah. step in our relationship. We're in a rut. Uh, <laughs> it hell, just I can't a- stay mad at you. It just occurred to me that I can. Uh it just <laughs> occurred to me that the younger they get, the more powerful they are. Uh, and they say that the older kids can't handle the powers, and that's actually why Tetsuo is having such a problem, or part of it, uh, is that he's too old. That's why they use little kids. But it just occurs to me that that's also a very handy metaphor for the children are the future. Like, mm-hmm. we're fucked up. We fucked it up. The hope yeah. comes from the younger people being better than us, which is, you know, always true. Mm. And... uh that's awesome. <laughs> like, you know, you, the, the even youngest kid could is the most that. like Akira is himself being the er powerful. It could, it could also mean that yeah. life is oppressive and destroys and saps like, your strength, saps your strength. Yeah. Hmm. And which is a lot more pessimistic of a view, but it could also be the implication of the same thing. I could see that, you know? Yeah. I could see that. <laughs> Or it could just be, (laughs) it could just be making the magic system work in a sense. I'm just reading stuff. Yeah. No, I think they're, it's all metaphorical. I think it has to be. It's a quick way to add logic to it too, where it's just like, it always, they, I I don't know if this movie started it or it's just like a general thing of like, Hey, like, like in star Wars, it's just like, Oh, if you take the the kid when he's already too old, they're going to go nuts. Like it's the same kind of like metaphor in that way. Like, you really can't like your brain is too old. <laughs> it's a common thing in these types of magic systems where people have power that just comes from their spirit. Yes. I did want to ask you guys, this is a very interesting question to me with a short answer. Uh, I mean, go on as long as you want, but uh, when we say, cause they say in this movie, the power comes from the heart. Like the, the more heart you have, the more powerful the power is manifests as, and there's a lot of movies that say stuff like that. And I wanted to ask, like, culturally, uh, not even speaking, I guess, to what Japanese culture thinks, but, like, this happens in our movies all the time. And, like, what do you guys, when when we say uh, they had heart, do you mean that they had, like, more drive or that their emotions about it were really big? Do you understand the difference? I always, like, yes. I yes. Think it is mean, an do you mean they wanted it more or that they have a lot of big emotions, like more heart? Right, because heart can be used to mean both. I think it might be maybe more nuanced too. I'd have to like I would want to understand what the original translation was, and also go learn Japanese. I always, sure. I always interpreted <laughs> it as bigger feelings. Um, and the only re- and particularly like passion. With 
with passion in particular. There's a there's an anime called uh, Magic. Well, oh my gosh, I'm gonna butcher it. It's like Puella Magica something. Oh my god, let me look it up real quick. Yeah, Puella Magi Madoka Magica, <laughs> um, and it's mm. a satire on um, the magical girl genre as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. And in that series, um, they emphasize. Uh, there's quick summary. There's an alien that shows up who offers. Um, teenage girls a wish in exchange for having them turn into magical girls and mm. the alien specifically says that he asked teenage girls because they essentially feel the most mm. um and there's an energy exchange when it comes to this whole wish making thing and so that energy exchange is the highest with teenage girls so in that series they take it literally as you feel the most everything you feel is so exaggerated and extreme and we need that energy in particular um without yeah, yeah, spoiler without spoiling that series um it's harnessing your emotions yeah they so, have energy yeah so when i hear that particularly in anime when they're like you have the most heart it really is like feelings it's it's how how big you feel which I don't know is a yeah. good lesson to necessarily it's, give. It's not. It, it was interesting to me for a couple of reasons, but not the least of which is that I sometimes have really bad mood swings and I'm having them recently. And having just watched Akira, I'm like, I'm like, like oh, I feel so violently sad. Man, if what if that made me like shoot lasers out of my belly button? <laughs> like that would be crazy. You, if the did bigger you check, you like the matter you, you are now, you can have Wolverine claws. It's such an interesting magic system, really. You if might, you think you about might it. actually really like Puella Magic Madoka Magic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's, yeah. I get, I gotta ask you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you? Uh, I didn't check. No. You didn't check. Should have tried. <laughs> I and you I, gone in the I was wearing a shirt made of ruby, so if it did shoot a laser, it wouldn't have penetrated like Cyclops. So <laughs> that would have been cool. Yeah. Sorry, Star. You want to keep on <laughs> going about the TV show? Yes. No, no, it's no. This is absolutely fine. I would just suggest anybody out there who, uh, if you partake in anime or at least have watched any. Uh, anything in the magical girl genre, uh, particularly like Sailor Moon is like a big one, but if you partake in any of that, or just like peop- watching people subvert genres, um, this particular anime, oh. Puella Magi, Madoka Magica, um, does that, the animation style within it when the girls fight, completely, they, it completely switches animation style, which is how I ended up watching it, because mm-hmm. it kind of oh, turns into cool. like this collage weird thing because i was like i don't get this and then by episode three um something happens that does not usually happen in magical girl shows that kind of changes the story on its head and i'm like oh this is what this is about okay so- now that officially has nothing to do with akira so back to akira no, well, no, i will it, say that it, i watch everything so i'll definitely, check I'll definitely it out. watch that but i do want to get to the back to the original question because yes, yes, yes. i think i had a different answer i don't think that I don't know my it's just my interpretation and this could be also I like I'm always uh you know cautious when it comes to like eastern movies just because uh like western determinations don't always inflict the right like understanding of exactly what they're necessarily you trying to say. You weren't steeped in it from birth. It's not yeah, it, yeah it's right. cultural it's also language but like when someone says someone has heart or has a lot of heart I always 
I didn't interpret that as sound like a like an overwhelming uh, connection to feelings necessarily. I always interpret that as like grit or like courage. Like if you have a lot of heart, it means you have you're courageous, right? And you're w- willing to do what it takes. So does that mean you don't have a strong fight or flight response? Like or like oh. I always try to tie it to. I'm like, what does that mean in the body? Like if you have a lot of heart, just means you have a stunted fear response. It's I'm like, like how come you get to be check. super powerful? <laughs> You know, think in D and D, I think of it as like a fortitude or a will check, right? It's like how yeah. how high is your uh, constitution when it's like at at the end of it, when rubber meets road, are you gonna be the one who will just like say, no, I'm gonna hold on for one more second? Oh, so endurance um, check in some sense as well. Endurance check. Well, yeah, it so depends it, on. What I'll you're just doing. say if I lost a magic fight and mm-hmm. they were like, well, the other person had more heart. I would demand, I'd be like, you break that shit. I want to know numerically what the fuck you mean. How do I? Um, Because that seems like a bullshit answer to cheat me of my magic victory. But that's the thing, right? That's why Rocky wins is he's just, his face is just a, is just a cinder block that a hammer is like hammering upon the whole movie. And then he's just like, but I'm not going to go down. And that's like the thing. There's something human. We, we like to look at that whatever that is because we look at it and I think you're right. We don't know what it is, right? We're like, what is that? Akira really well, is, is the hang in there baby poster of anime. <laughs> it's like, just hold out a little longer. Uh, yeah, can I say like, the o- only uh, thing I didn't like about it or the, my only gripe, and it's really just a time thing, 1988. But I do think, uh, you know, in case we're convincing people to see to have never seen it and they're sensitive to this, worth noting that like, it does the dated thing, uh, uh, sex misogyny thing. Oh, I would yeah, say yeah, like yeah. Kanida is yeah. constantly hitting on K and she eventually falls in love with him, but he hits on her in a way where you're like, all right, incel fucking calm down. Yeah. Like that's, you know, sexual harassment to the extreme. Uh, I think it goes out its way a little bit to like show titties in certain scenes. It has that vibe. Um, but it's not like so egregious that I was like, my God, I'm offended. But uh, worth mentioning, I think. They don't. They definitely. I don't. I don't think they glamorized it. You know what I mean? Like they. They definitely show. Like it's. It's definitely shown. It's assault. Yeah. It's, assault. it's sexual assault. It's yeah. there, but I don't feel like you're not like heck yeah, this is happening. You know, it's very. Oh much no, the like clowns a, are doing it. You're, yeah, you're, you're like, very no, much stop like, them. Yeah. Oh, this is okay. But those are definitely bad guys. Have... Kick their ass. <laughs> But they they chose where they put the camera and yes. they put the camera right where the boobies I'm are. I'm just saying, and the I'm imagining are. the animator drawing the boobies and he's having a good time. Maybe too good of a He's time. having a good time. <laughs> he's like, oh, I like this. He's like, can we do yeah. 40 frames a second for this? You, uh, yeah. That shows you how much anime I watch where I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, it didn't seem as exploitive as like, it normally is in you anime. Know sure is. So, oh my God. Well, if I could tell you, the only anime I was watching at that time because I was just starting puberty and I wonder if Star is aware of these but like uh, <laughs> so I was literally just watching for like cute girls so I watched Love Hina uh-huh. uh, yes. Project yes, yes, yes. Aiko and oh. FLCL I was straight up in love <laughs> with the girl with FL- in FLCL because oh, she's, she's also great. she's like an introverted sad manic pixie dream girl <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> really mm-hmm. really spoke my language alright back to Akira Back to Akira, yeah. 
Um, yeah, Abe, you got I, a topic starter? Yeah, I do, uh, because I want to know about the disposition, because we kind of talked about the kind of characters, uh, like in the bike gang and like what makes them tick and society at large, but we haven't talked about the espers as much because we kind of laughed it off because we have like Big Bopper, Benjamin Button, but the what Takashi, I believe, is the one who kind of jumpstarts the movie, or at least he's there. He's escaping. He gets he's hit the by one, a motorcycle. He yeah. gets right. hit by a motorcycle, which causes you know Kaneda to be involved in the whole thing, and then Tetsuo obviously gets involved because of that. Um, and like, what's up with Takashi? Like he's terrified all the time, right? And he is just, he's scared to be wherever he is. It's almost hilarious if you watch it with that eye. Because I started like, even when he's astral projecting and it's like, dude, you're not even there. You know, you're not scared of those bullets. And he's like, oh, yeah. oh. No, he's like true. so afraid and of like, everything. Um, he does a glamour, like a, mm -hmm. a hallucination spell on, I believe Tetsuo, it might be Canada in the hospital. Yeah. But anyway, they see like, classic paprika-esque like just wild shit like a giant teddy bear <laughs> lumbering at you and yeah, stuff yeah that shit's crazy and then he, yeah. he accidentally cuts himself and just the sight of blood like he's like niles crane from fraser the yeah, sight really... of blood makes him drop the spell and go like oh like, no yeah, he doesn't he's so terrified <laughs> yeah. and then so and then so you got that character and then you have kyoko who's the seer who is like seems sickly yeah, sickly yeah. and also displaced from feeling, completely mm -hmm. just like a, a repository of information, but also a little girl in terms of like what you feel like her off time is because she's sickly, but she's got like surrounded by like teddy bears and stuff like that. So she still is kind of infantile in some regard. And then you have like business suit baby who is like in our like, boss baby may as well be in like the professor x yeah, wheelchair who's like talking, <laughs> yeah, with, talking with like the general of the military about strategy and it's just like what what a wide range of, of kids, um, kind yeah. of of kids very different skinner boxes they were raised in yeah right and then uh on top of that i had one more kind of thing i want to throw at people who hadn't necessarily watched this which is that you were alluding to the hospital scene where there's like big teddy bears that spray milk mm -hmm. yeah. uh at tetsuyu and it's like is that tetsuyu's mind dealing with the onslaught of the telepathic kind of like volley or is that like the espers doing what they want is that because if that's they're true trying to write a scare a spooky story and that's the shit they they're like i don't know okay. it sprays milk or my interpretation was like that's what they chose to project and they are not very good at thinking of scary or stuff. is this like a brain party is this something that like you know <laughs> goes party. like this is this is what she wants he's gonna want to join our side or maybe it's just cool stimulating the fear center of his brain and he's coming up with this imagery that's an interesting right. take yeah it's very subjective i interpreted it as the espers like that was their attempt to try to break him because like right, I think that's... they were trying to kill him as well because they didn't want right. like Tokyo to blow up like kind of thing. So I felt like that was just their kind of shitty weird attempt to like go after this kid who's probably seen way more shit than they have, you know. Mm. 
Yeah, that's, I think that's what I was getting to is that it almost is that removed from understanding because it's like was conceived of in the mind of a child or stilted kind of like sheltered person who had never seen outside, but only had been provided like teddy bears and milk Mm -hmm. um, their entire life because they're treated and pampered um, because they're test subjects. And that's like really kind of fucked up in a way. Oh, that's interesting. It's scary versions of baby shit. Yeah. You're held yeah. hostage by infants, basically, mm-hmm. um, which is now makes that sequence terrifying in a way that it wasn't before. And I think that the espers are really interesting in terms of like technology. Yes, there's a statement in this movie that are, you know, technology is sometimes out of our reach and our ethics do not like necessarily Keep up with it. Yeah, right. aren't up with it. Right. But. It's weird to, or it's not weird, but it's interesting to also throw into the mix that it's like the artifacts of us attempting to do so, like providing a kind of shelter around the way in which we're trying to develop our technology because you have to do test cases and stuff if you want to advance. Um, If we start playing with like our own DNA and we start doing kind of stuff like that, you're going to have to do things like take uh, extreme measures in dealing with those with that with look that if technology. you want science you're gonna have to deglove you're gonna have rats. to you're gonna have to deglove rats yeah that's what's <laughs> happening and it, when it comes down to it that creates its own form of like psychological terror in the subjects and in possibly what they do to other people with the technology so it's like wow there is no great test field there's no uh, nuclear tests that we can do that isn't destructive, right? In uh, some I think way, that that's, sure. I think yeah. that's like all you can do is limit the damage up. or try exactly. to, and shit still goes wrong, <laughs> right? And I think looking at the movie through that lens too really makes a lot of what the government is doing really fucked up, um, because it's like, well, it's almost like we had we were intended to destroy ourselves. If we can't be curious without being monsters, then what's the fucking point? Yeah, there's always well, yeah, one and guy. He tips it completely <laughs> at the end, or you know, he basically admits the colonel dude who represents the military. Obviously, says they're like, which one's a cure? Who's going to become? Because they like absorb the parts, and they're all puppeting each other. And he says something like, "I don't care which one's a cure as long as it destroys things." <laughs> you're like, well, then you're going to get the world that you asked for, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty straightforward. And there's always one scientist who's just like, "Let's just see what happens," even though yeah. they're like, "But you, yeah. you know, last time this happened." He's like, "But my fun. curiosity was too great. I just had to know what yeah. would happen." And you're like, "Well, this is why we can't have nice things, Wayland Yutani." <laughs> 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 That's right. It's pretty fucked up, man. Yeah. There's just layers and layers of trauma and like how it's like built into itself uh, that at the end you're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense that it's a big like swallowing entity that like is going to absorb the entire earth. Mm-hmm. Um, you go like, oh, yeah, that is kind of what it does. That is what trauma does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Last image I want to mention, and then I'm out of stuff to say about a cure for now, is just Uh that at one point, Conrad is so upset that he doesn't have access to his bike, I believe, or he finds out it was stolen or something, uh, that he borrows a motorcycle, uh, gets on it, and just angrily drives it into a wall to express his (laughs) frustration. And uh, that's what McNulty from The Wire does, and that that makes Conrad a cool in my book. (laughs) Yeah, but he's he's a de- self-destructive prick. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's my kind of prick. He's my kind of prick. Only yeah, thing, I'm all out too. Only thing I would have to add is that uh, the famous Akira slide 
that's toward the beginning of the movie with Canada, and he does this very classic slide with his motorcycle. It's the, the dorm room thing. poster image. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's a video online that's like two minutes of pretty much every reference of someone doing that slide in animation. Yeah. Um, what is it called? It's called Three Decades of Akira Slide Homages. Um, and it's just every this person did a compilation of every instance where he could find someone doing a reference to this that slide. exact movement it's or yeah really rad highly recommend it just because it shows how this movie influenced animation and that's just cool it's just because it's cool yeah it, yeah there's no like other reason really it's cool. just this is neat it's known as like one of the most quoted it like i think in the imdb thing it was like saying like it had it's known to be one of the more quoted uh reference frames in all of animation mm-hmm. um if not the most and i'm like that's i mean kind of justifiably too it's yeah badass like it's, it's super cool it's really cool um, it doesn't get old like how like in the matrix everybody was doing bullet time and after a while they was right. like oh yeah or whatever you can do that now but this is I, you could keep referencing this and everyone would be like yeah, yeah. oh right. yeah and of course, it's famously simple. in Lion King, when Mufasa appears in the clouds <laughs> on a motorcycle and slides out, he totally, he's like roaring. He totally yeah. whips out and he's like, all right, let's get back into the frame, Everything man. the light touches, bruh. <laughs> yeah. And then he lights a cigarette. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Star, thank you for joining us. This is a fun conversation. Yeah. is a great movie. Mm-hmm. But I want to know where I could find you if I wanted to hear more and about see your you. art. See your art, maybe. I don't know. Plug yourself. Uh, You can find my art for sale at starlinearts.com. And you can find me on Twitter at StarleenX. I have to be careful about how I pronounce my name. My name is pronounced Starlene, but for spelling purposes, it's Starline. Oh, you said line. I was like, why did she say line? Yeah, because (laughs) it's not her name. (laughs) Because it's for spelling. It's for when I describe websites. Totally. It's, yeah. Um, but yeah, on Twitter, Starlene X. On Instagram, just Starlene. Um, I also have a webcomic that's a little bit on hiatus right now, but it will get back to it at rubywhipple.com. Uh, awesome. Yeah, that's where you could find my stuff and my art. Cool. Yeah. That, thank you again. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you again to Andrew Mariness. Uh, if you feel like supporting podcasts just like this, head over to patreon.com slash small beans. You could throw us three bucks a month and get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts like Star Trek The Next Futurama, Spielboys, uh, Escape from the Multicurse, and uh, special episodes of I'll Show You Mine If You Show Me Yours. Or if you want to be like Andrew, you can go above and beyond and support us at the pick the flick level and we'll talk about a movie that you choose that probably won't be as mm-hmm. cool as Akira, but it might be as good as Akira. <laughs> I don't know. Be. That's on you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, on top of everything else, we are making a movie this year. And so if you follow the Patreon, you'll be getting access to our kind of behind the scenes transparency project, which is that we're making a movie in front of you all mm-hmm. pretty transparently telling you about pre-production and whatnot. And that's usually through our movie diaries. Um, but anyway, that's just 
that's the big ideas that are happening in 2023 for the small beans. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!